Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Steve. My co-host is Kyle. Say hello, Kyle. It's another day in podcast paradise. Yes, it is. Now I'm going to have gangsters paradise run through my head. Thanks, Kyle. We've <laughs> uh, been spending most of our life living in the wrestling podcast paradise. But <laughs> uh, speaking of things that are, that are not wrestling as far as careers, tonight we're going to be discussing the top ten careers outside of wrestling besides being in movies. Because, you know, we already discussed that. And, yeah, this was not a easy list. It really wasn't, you know, because you could find all, all over the place number of occupations outside of wrestling, but then trying to rank them. I was like, well, because I don't, you know, it's not that one job is more important than the other, but also how, how successful, I guess, were they in the job? You know, but before we get into that, I will discuss the uh, the contact and listening info. If anybody is listening and wants to call in during the broadcast, it's area code 319-527-6089. You can always email us. Any kind of feedback is always welcome. Any kind of suggestions or just email us to say hi at armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast. We are on Twitter at bookingarmchair. We have a very threadbare channel right now on YouTube. We need to get that get that like really populated dude um you can find it you'll find this episode and our archived episodes on iHeartRadio, stitcher apple podcast and spotify just do a search for armchair booking have i forgotten anything kyle no i think you have uh nailed everything again and so before we define success kyle i would like for you to read the text of the screenshot that you sent me was it yesterday? Uh, well, I, I prepared relatively early for this podcast, and uh, it actually bothers me that I forgot someone on my list, and it just came to me now. Because but, I have probably have them on my list. No. Oh, oh okay. I, I, I actually checked your list to see if he was on there as well, and he is not. But before you come up with a list of who is the most successful after wrestling, I thought it was important to define what success was. So I have my own version of success. Um, I guess we'll get into that later. So, Someone I communicate with and only on Facebook is Mark Merrill. So he he posted something, and I responded to it, and I asked him what he defined as success. And he, he responded back to me. Um, basically said he... He once thought it was fame and fortune, and he thought money would be the key to success, and success would be the key to happiness. And now he realizes that 
happiness is the key to success, and true happiness can only be found in a relationship with God. And obviously, you see the way he has um, touched lives with his story and the lessons that he, he has learned and passed on. Uh, I don't know if you've watched the Champion of Choices videos. I, I know I've owned them. We did them in um, athletic. I showed them to my athletic teams when I was coaching to teach lessons beyond sport. But the impact he's been able to make in certain lives, that that's what he defined as success. Did you uh, did you get any responses, or did you ask the question? I'll be honest with you, because we were discussing this before we ever uh, started recording this podcast. I have been absolutely swamped with work over the past few weeks, like ridiculously swamped, because um, my job outside of uh, doing this podcast. I am a business planning analyst for a multi-billion dollar communications company. You know, I mean, <clears throat> great. I just work. I just do it for my region, which is um, in Cincinnati and surrounding areas um, from in my offices in Cincinnati. But right now we're doing the quarterly budget forecast and it has been just beating me down. We're talking, I'll be at the office from seven o'clock in the morning to 6.30 at night, leave, come home, eat, get right back on the work computer, and I'll keep working until almost 10. Because it's just, there's twice a year we have to do this, and just, it just happens to be one of them times. So I didn't really get a chance to contact anybody. Um, I wish I would have, and, you know, thank you for, I mean, you you actually did uh, some legwork, which is awesome, you know, because I sure as heck didn't. So uh, did anybody else respond to you? Now, from a wrestling side, no. Because uh, I, I also asked uh, friends. And um, you, you know, from a high school level, most of my friends believe that success is just happiness. And they really said nothing beyond that. It was success is happiness wherever I'm at. And I would, I'd be inclined to agree with that. So I was actually, I was actually struggling uh, with my definition of success when I put together the list. And, and that's what, you know, this was, it, it's really almost unfair to rank these. And, and I started looking at it more along the lines of, <clears throat> okay, visibility. Um, because who can almost, like, give a great example of somebody who's doing well in what they've chosen to do outside of wrestling? And in some cases, what they did even before they got in the wrestling business and they continue to do it, you know, outside of the business. But yeah, success, every person 
will have their own definition. I mean, it, it is a very personal uh, thing. It is very subjective. So right. it, it, it was it was really hard. Um, I I think when we when we both met success at that point in our lives was your next promotion, getting degrees, getting awards, commander's coins, things of that nature. And I think I, I soured because not all of that happened the way I thought it was deserved. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then, as a as an adult, uh, there there's so many things that you can define as successful. Uh, one is getting up every morning and going to work. that you're providing for your family, you have a roof over your head. Obviously, we're not small boys. Uh, we have food in our belly. A little bit, yeah. Um, you have the love of a spouse. Two, well, you have two. I only have one. Uh, healthy children. So from from that perspective, we would both be successful. Oh, I'd say so. Um, because having my family around, you know, that makes me happy. And, you know, I'll tell you this real quick thing um like i said everybody's definition of success you know what makes them happy of course is different when i went to my 20-year high school reunion and this was 10 years ago there was a guy who i graduated with um and we knew each other in school we didn't really you know never really hung around but when i was talking with him and i don't think he knew i don't think he remembered what i did but he was talking about his job. He actually worked with um, like cargo trains, like traveling back and forth between Kentucky up through Illinois and up north. And and he said, you know, I'm, you know, he said, you know, he said, I consider myself really blessed. I'm able to travel and and see, you know, that part of the country. And, and he said, and I absolutely love it. You know, and I'm thinking, you know what? Good for him. You know, he's very happy. Um, I didn't tell him that, you know, I don't think he realized that I was the one who, um, the person who was heading up the reunion mentioned somebody coming in from England, you know, because that's where I was stationed at the time. And I wasn't going to say that either to him because I didn't want to deflate his, you know, um, 
sense of happiness because he was happy. And why would I, you know, why would I do something that would make it seem, you know, less than what it was? It made him happy. So I'm like, good for him. You know, I think everybody, everybody should find what makes them happy. And everybody should find their version of success, as long as you're not hurting anybody else. And so, not to interrupt, but I looked at your list after you sent it, mm-hmm. and of course I compare your list with mine, and they go, "Well, I wonder how he went here, how he chose that." I am surprised that your Um, I'm pretty sure I can say this, but if not, I apologize. Your Christian beliefs did not affect your list more. Well, it was some of the things, and I know who you're talking about, and they're actually right there together, um, how they oh, no, ranked. The, the whole list. Like, I, well, I'm... I'm surprised that your list is not more influenced by your faith. Well, like I said, this one I had to kind of look. And like I said, I mean, this wasn't easy. That Not only that, but I kind of did it, you know, almost last minute, too. Uh, so that may have affected some things as well. But, I mean, not an excuse. It just happened. And that's, you know, my own fault. But... I mean, and that's so, something we can we can talk about a little bit. It, it's when you put together a list, and I'm sure if people called in, people that knew us called in, um, there's a worldly definition of success, which is money, fame, power, and that's how most people. You look at success, we look at athletes, we look at politicians, rich people, things of that nature, and we say we want to be like them because they're successful. But successful and happy are two different things, so does it really mean, is that really success? I've known people who had everything and weren't happy. I've known other people who lived kind of a farce lifestyle, very, very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, very minimal, and were extremely happy. So success and happiness are not about possessions. But before we start getting into really <laughs> philosophical uh, discussions, um, I'll go ahead and announce our number 10. And it's uh, Jimmy Garvin, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. And what he does outside of wrestling, and he's actually been retired now for a little bit, but he is a um, a commercial pilot. So, 
did you choose Jimmy Garvin because he was a pilot? I knew that, he, well, he's not just a pilot. He is a very successful as far as um, he's very good at his job. And Jimmy Garvin also, along with his wife, um, well, Precious, I can't, I'm about to go look up her actual name, but Precious, she was also his valet in wrestling. They also uh, run a ministry where they help the homeless. When I saw Jimmy Garvin, obviously the fact that he was a pilot, he was a pilot when he was a wrestler as well. Mm-hmm. The fact that he is still married as a wrestler, he got married in 1972. By my math, that puts his marriage 49 years. It'll be 49 years this year, yeah. If they haven't passed up the anniversary already, but so as a wrestler, he is somehow raised two kids and, and been married for forty nine years to to his wife. So partially because he was a pilot, as I put on my list, other reason because he's been married for forty nine years. You don't hear a whole lot of that in professional wrestling. Well, and not just that, they stayed married even after she was involved with the business. Yeah. That's even more of a rarity. So, and and if people don't understand what we're talking about, I mean, it, um, they say, you know, one of the worst things you can do is bring uh, your wife around the locker room. Asked Mongo McMichael, mm-hmm. Macho Man. There, there's a bunch of examples. Mm-hmm. But 49 years, the wife was in the business. Jimmy Garvin, precious. That is unheard of. So. Kind of like uh, our number nine competitor, our our number nine person on the list, and that is Tito Santana, who is a school teacher and a girls basketball coach in his retirement. Yep, in New Jersey. Things for Tito when I was putting putting together my list. It, obviously, his name is Merced Solis. Went to what West, West Texas, where he uh, he was one of the many that school. He West played with Tully, He played with Tully Blanchard. And to go, got his degree, and became a Spanish teacher in in New Jersey. Also married. Spanish physical education. They said he coaches girls basketball. And his wife owns and operates a business in New Jersey as well. And he still occasionally wrestles. 
at 66 uh, years old. Yeah. <laughs> and with a bottle of hair dye, he really doesn't look that much different than he did in his heyday. No, he doesn't. So he's healthy, one, and that he's able to take his degree. That's something where Xavier Woods getting his doctorate. Has has he finished that yet? Because you only have a certain amount of time once you start the program. I know he's doing it. And and tell you what, my hat's off to him because to try to complete doctorate level work while he was doing all the traveling they were doing before COVID hit. I mean, that's just amazing. But with Tito Santana also, don't forget, and this isn't an actual shoot, he did pass bullfighting school. Right. <laughs> so he actually is, I guess, a certified. They did it for the for the Angles. I mean, they actually he went through the school. So uh, since you asked, Xavier Woods achieved his doctorate back in 2018 in educational psychology. Okay, because I knew he on it was either Stone Cold's or Chris Jericho's podcast. Uh, he actually talked about, I think it was Stone Cold's, that he was actually talking about that. And that he, there's actually three current professional wrestlers that are doing doctorate classes. Really? Apparently. Who are they? So that, uh, it's still pulling up. Tito Santana, um, have you got the opportunity to teach you sports? Have I? Yeah. Um, a few years ago when my son, uh, he, when he played baseball, the first year he played baseball, and he only played two years, um, the um, coach, like the very first game, they needed somebody to coach uh, third base. And he asked me, hey, he's like, hey, do you mind? You know, I'm like, sure, I don't mind, you know. Um, and so I started out, I was just the third base coach for that game. With the next game, same thing. They needed somebody to help. Next thing you know, I was helping them, like, run some of the um, practices. You know, I was helping them with the hitting, and I was helping with the, um, you know, some of the basic fundamentals because a lot of these boys, it was their very first year ever playing. And so they were still working on the fundamentals. I mean, it was still coach pitch and, um, and they were referring to me as coach Steve. And that was actually, um, I'll say, I mean, it was a lot of fun and just to help these boys and to let them know it is a game. It is, you know, you should go out there and you should have fun. You should cheer each other on. And, and it was, it was great, you know? So, yeah. And, and in the next year, um, I actually volunteered to help coach the next season, and they didn't have me. They had this other guy who, uh, who, ironically enough, was on my son's team the year before. Now, except for now, they moved up to where it was 
um, what they call a kid's pitch. They don't call it fast pitch because the kids, they ain't throwing that hard. But the kids themselves were pitching. And this guy, he ended up being one of the worst coaches I've ever seen in my life. And he really soured my son on playing. And, in fact, this coach and I, we actually had some words a few times because of the way he was coaching. Because his idea, he, I don't recall him ever trying to show them anything baseball-related. He just liked to get out there and yell and try to make the boys run. And that was it. So needless to say, a lot of the boys did not enjoy it, and there was at least three of them that I know of, maybe four, who decided after that they weren't playing anymore. Anyway, I, myself, I coached 14 of youth sports. Um, my son having autism, if I did not coach, he was told he could not play. Really? So I had to, and that started my 3 o'clock wake-up call to drive down to work, work, and then come home in time to practice. Mm. So there, being Tito Santana as an example uh, with girls basketball, I coached intergender basketball, um, a lot of football, a lot of baseball up through the minor league division. And it, it takes a certain type of person to be a teacher and to be a, a coach uh, or a uh, you could say good teacher, good coach. It you can hear a wrestler that did that, and, and to impact little little lives. My football team. So my football team started after I myself got diagnosed with autism, and I still talk to one to two kids from each team that I coached from the first year to when I finished. Uh, And my last one from one of my teams uh, will graduate this year. So she'll be graduating here in a couple months. And I, I have quite a few who are married now and one who has a child on, of his own on the way. So when you hear a wrestler, that's not exactly the uh, educational plan you would expect a teacher to have. Nope. But, you know, everybody has a different path that may have led them into wrestling, and then uh, quite a few interesting paths outside of wrestling. And the next one I think is one of the most interesting, and that is Medusa, also known as Alundra Blaze, uh, real name or birth name anyway, Deborah Michelli. She's involved with monster trucks. Uh, involved? She is a championship <laughs> truck driver. Oh, she's a – Yeah. 
<laughs> what a of course she's a very unique woman in, in professional wrestling from the 80s but she her, her truck rival Grave Digger and Bigfoot I am going to have to look her up. So she, she, uh, she has been on the monster truck circuit since 2004. Won the Monster Jam co-championship. Only female competitor in the Super Bowl of Motorsports. And won a racing championship in the Monster Jam. World Finals. She's got a a pink truck, a red, white, and blue truck. She actually was brought into Monster Truck by a guy named Dennis Anderson. And do you know who who he is? Uh, the name does sound familiar. He's actually the driver, operator of the Gravedigger monster truck. Ah, Gravedigger. If I ever have to say I have a favorite truck, it's Gravedigger. So I, I started watching Monster Truck because of Bigfoot, because we had a Bigfoot in Michigan. Being a big Ford, they, of course, Bigfoot was a big deal out there and then every year there was a Bigfoot um, growing up. But got taken over by Gravedigger. That was the, the the truck for the longest time. She is actually was part owner uh, or in a partnership with Dennis Anderson who ran the Gravedigger team. But now, in addition to that, she's also married to an Army Sergeant Major. Well, third marriage. Third marriage, but, I mean, uh, so she's married to Eddie Gilbert, and then she married Ken Blackman, and now she married the Sergeant Major. But either way, I mean, she's, she, you know, Medusa, Deborah Michelli, Medusa Michelli, Alundra Blaze. She's not somebody I'd want to tangle with in a rather oh. rock. No, her her significance. We have the the Monster Jam group that comes out in my part of the country several times a year. I, I'm sure in your part of the country they're there. If they are, I haven't seen them. Um, it would, no, actually, you know what they do? Because um, before COVID hit, there was a monster truck show that was scheduled in Cincinnati, and we were going to take my son to it. And, <laughs> and of course, it ended up being canceled. And, and the commercials start Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And, and 
that is Monster Jam, but she's being a female is one of the few representatives in that sport for for girls to cheer for. Which that was a a bigger deal. So she broke she broke gender barriers on top of winning races. And she's she's not, like you said, she doesn't just drive the truck. She's one of the champion truck drivers or monster truck drivers. Right. But, yeah, go ahead. Number seven here. Mm Mm-hmm. And the number seven is has not been retired or away from wrestling very long, but it's in the twilight of his career and is now moving on into other arenas. And that is the mayor of Knox County, Glenn Jacobs, also known as Also known as Isaac Jacob. Ah, Unibomb is at least a better name than that. And fake diesel. So, <laughs> let's just uh, go, go through all of them. What is Glenn Jacobs' degree in? You would have to ask me that. Um, yeah, because you'd never guess this one. Uh, he's a poli-sci major, isn't he? He is the English literature major. Oh, I and I did know that. Um and I just know he's actually been involved with politics for a little bit, but this just happens to be really the first office that he actually won. He is a a libertarian, mm-hmm. closer closer to the Republican side. Yeah, he's a right leaning libertarian, but he is. The voted mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, owns a wrestling school, and to my shock, a lot of wrestlers are into real estate. But I, I guess- noticed that, <laughs> including you know his brother. This um, this career, he actually had a real estate business with his wife and is quite successful one the mayor's race got 66% of the vote in Knox County which is really impressive so he, he ran real estate and insurance through Allstate and and what an interesting profession for him could you imagine getting life insurance from a man that is seven feet tall and who set fire to a funeral home once I think you know he, he would just knock on your door and say would to buy my insurance, and you just say, yeah. 
I will do you bodily harm. <laughs> so you look like you need uh, life insurance. Oh, and you're saying that um, he hasn't been away from, from wrestling too long. He was just in the Royal Rumble. Didn't last very long, but he was in the Royal Rumble. A very interesting profession. They say uh, he's very well-spoken. He gave a a stumping speech, I guess the term would be, for Ron Paul. Is, Is that the right candidate? Um, yeah, it would make sense because Ron Paul is also a, well, he's a libertarian. I think actually he's straight out libertarian. I don't think he ever, um, registered as a Republican, but Ron Paul, he's like the ultimate libertarian. And I I would say politically speaking, um, I side with a, a lot more of their views than the other parties. But despite 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 what I said last week about a certain state. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, he's he's achieved in a short period of time a tremendous amount of success. Well, we say a short amount of time. I mean, he was doing a lot of the stuff already, but then the most visible thing came when he did run for um, mayor of Knox County. Well, he's been an insurance adjuster since at least 2005. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, 16 years. And he got into politics. Republican Party tried to get him to run for public office in Tennessee as early as 2014. And that would have been a a interesting situation with him being an active wrestler. Well, he definitely wouldn't be the only wrestler uh, involved with politics. Uh, There's one that neither one of us had on our list, and, well, there's reasons why. Do you remember the wrestler Ludwig Borga? Um, I don't consider him a successful man. No, no, not not in the least. I'm just saying he actually – he did hold an office in Finland. That's where he's from, right, Finland? Yeah. Yep, he. I mean, he had like a, a parliament office, and then he went straight crazy. Of course, he may have already been kind of straight crazy, and he uh, became kind of a, well, very openly racist. And then he ended up, uh, I want to say, he ended up killing himself, didn't he? Yeah, he ended up committing suicide. Yep. But, but yeah, so yeah, definitely not a success. I don't want to... Um, you know, let me just set that straight. Definitely, I would not consider that a success because one of the things I say, you know, if if you're hurting people to um, 
if you're hurting people for your personal gain, that's not success. That's hollow, and it's shameful. So that is the uh, a hard thing there with politics. Uh, there, there's a lot of opportunity to harm people for personal gain. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of different things there, but Kane, Glenn Jacobs, may be higher on the list one day. He could be the one wrestler with the legitimate shot at being a presidential nominee. I can see that. And he'd be the tallest president in history. The Rock. True. I don't think The Rock is interested, though. His new television show seems to hint at it. I have not watched it yet. I've heard it's good, though. How can you be a wrestling fan and not watch the Young Rock show? Uh, you know what I was going to say, because I don't know what night it comes on, but you know what? I can look it up, and I can start DVRing it. Because apparently my wife my wife just started DVRing some show about dudes and kilts. Yeah, no she just comment. gave a dirty look. <laughs> no comment. I bet Outlander plays in your house. You bet what? Outlander plays in your house. Oh, she loves Outlander. Can you hear him? She can hear you. I have my big old fat headphones on, and she can hear you. It's surprising, consider the amount of interference it sounds like you're getting from the wind on your call. Uh, let me my, – my fan's actually on right beside me. Let me turn it off. There we go. Uh, it, the show's called Men in Kilts, by the way. She just pointed it to me. But anyway, well, let, me, let me adjust the microphone well, I, also to make sure I'm not breathing into it. Go ahead. This is a quick advertisement. Men in Kilt is the female version of Blue Chew, brought to you by the. <laughs> yeah, well, well, if we're going to do that, we need to contact them and see if they'll sponsor us. However, it kind of goes well. I'm, that's a that's an iffy one. <laughs> that's an iffy one because we're trying to be family friendly. I don't know if that'd be considered family friendly or not. Um, I don't yeah, because, know some of the commercials that had been dropped into our show. But. Oh, I've – yeah. And we have – I will state it again. We have no control over what commercials get inserted into our show. And, yes, I realized the last episode there was no more put in there than having issues with the, the show actually loading up uh, with the software. I worked at a website that I used to put the commercials in. Uh, so every once in a while that will happen where we have commercials at the beginning and commercials at the end, nothing in the middle, which if you don't like commercials, hey, that's great. But unfortunately, it helps helps pay for stuff or it actually helps offset the cost of stuff. And I will tell you, it hasn't offset much because I think grand total, um, I think I may have made – got $50. Well, it cost me $40 a month to uh, run this. So uh-huh. – I know we're close to breaking even, but if anybody would like to become a friend of the show, let me know, and I will tell you how to um, donate to my PayPal. Kyle, do you have a PayPal? No, I do not. 
Do you have Venmo? No, I do not. Do you have anything like that? I have Cash App, but only to play for uh, football football games. Okay. Um, but don't either way, I, I do have an OnlyFans page for my feet. Um, Maryland Vanilla Gorilla, still there. Give me the link, and I will put that in our um, links. Oh, it's not family-friendly. I've got some very um, unique feet. Okay, maybe I won't put it on our <laughs> links then. <laughs> um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, but speaking of ways to make money, the next person on our list should be aware about making money because – uh, well, he's involved with finance, and uh, I didn't know this until I was reading about it. Um, about him, he apparently has an MBA, which makes me want to give a shout out because I also have an MBA. And not, not I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of people out there with MBAs, though, so it's not like it's that huge of a feat. <laughs> but, um, but I think you probably know more about Don Callis than I do, Kyle. Um, so. Listen to Don Callis quite a bit. His stick is hard to from fact. So he has an MBA. He got into international financial trade. Wrote wrestling columns for the... Uh, what is it, the Calgary Sun or the Sun Media Group up in Canada did a no-holds-barred radio show um, up in Canada and came back into wrestling about five years ago. But the detail that is hard to separate he is allegedly high-ranking in the country of Canada. That he he actually held like I don't want to say he was an elected congressman or someone in the political party, but he actually serves in financial trade for the country of Canada with international trade and distribution and actually taught classes out of uh, a school in Winnipeg career wise he did quite well and now you Every channel you turn on that's not WWE television, he's associated with either managing or he's actually on screen for AEW Impact right now. Well, he's an ex- he's an executive at Impact. I did I did see that. Well, he's actually on screen with is Kenny Omega's manager, and he has Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson as his henchmen. He's 
found a way to become over or relevant again through wrestling, through his connections. Like that's that's a talented human being right there. And, you know, there is somebody that I know I left off the list because, you know, you were saying there was somebody you left off the list. And it's actually kind of related to uh, Don Callis. But I will, after we get through with the list, and I'll, I'll mention who it is, very, very similar to Don Callis. But anyway. Well, we're halfway through the list. Did you want to throw out your honorable mention there? Well, the one who I did not have on the list, and I even thought about it, but for some reason, and actually kind of a toss-up as far as success, because part of the same reason, uh, granted not to the degree, but why Ludwig Borga, um, John Layfield, Oh, no, no relation to Ludwig Borga. Oh, I know. I mean, like I said, nowhere near to the degree of Ludwig Borga. John Layfield is a financial analyst or a stock market investor, but he's a um, like a, a financial analyst. And he actually had his own show on, it was a C- CNBC. Um, I actually bought his book uh with which was a mixed financial advice and his career and i actually invested using one of his principles when i set up my retirement account did it work it's very slow for me well i mean that's a lot of people don't, don't understand if you're investing it's going to be slow do not expect to hit. Not everything is an Amazon. Not everything is a Netflix. You know, those but, are. But anyway, John John Bradshaw Layfield, successful uh, again with his shows, with his financial advice, with best money. Um, married to um, famous Fox News reporter at the time. Another another financial analyst, really. And I think what gets overlooked is his charitable work for oh, what's the country? South Africa. Is it? I don't think it's South South Africa. Africa. Uh, Well, that's that's what started it. Uh, um, He did. I, I I want to say it's one of the Caribbean islands. Oh, they live. He and his wife live. Um, I just read that too. Uh, let me go back to the that gaunt. So I know he was climbing mountains for for his charity, and he went down to. South Africa, he did uh, Kilimanjaro, one of them, to raise money for 
disadvantaged youth programs. And he he should get more credit for for those acts, but he gets criticized because he's viewed as a bully <laughs> because of some backstage stories or antics, which of course he did, but still. But you know how it goes, um, you know. All it takes is one eye crap to get rid of ten attaboys. It, true. So and he, well, he and his wife live in Bermuda now. Yeah. And that's one of the things um, he helped fund a group beyond rugby Bermuda, and he was inspired by Beyond Sport, which is a South African nonprofit. And so he does the same thing in Bermuda. Um, but a lot of people also don't see that because they say, well, he got fired by CNBC because of something he did in Germany. I don't know how he did not know this was illegal to do in Germany, but he was just thinking, I'm going to get some heat. I'm a bad guy. I'm supposed to get heat. So he started doing the Nazi salute while he was goose-stepping around the ring. Which, yeah, that that's that, that help hell. But I mean, uh, that, uh, you know, in the states, you could you could get away with that as late as like the late eighties, early nineties. Now it'd be looked at. Yeah, it's in bad taste. It's not illegal, but it, it's an extremely bad taste, and I wouldn't recommend it. In Germany, it's illegal for a good reason. So, but uh, here anyway. The, a good one missing from the list. Is this the person you you were referred to earlier? Yes. I'm shocked. I, I'm truly shocked he's not on your list. And that is Magnum TA. Oh, you're right. How did I not get Magnum on there? And because his career was so brief, Sometimes it's, it, he's easy to overlook, but he did so much sales with the satellite television. Yeah, and different companies post wrestling injury that. How do you not look at him as a success? Well, yeah, I mean, I'll actually put on another one of my – actually, there was an honorable mention that did not make my top 20. Um, That's Chris Nowinski because of – he started the company, and they do CTE research. Yeah. That's another one that's overlooked on our list. Yep. and because as we go, we'll go ahead. He's, he's changed the way concussions are are treated, looked at. Like that man has changed lives. Yeah, and he made sure that he's the reason why they have the concussion protocol. Because when he um, when he went to Crispin Wise's dad 
And can you imagine, I mean, how hard this has, would have to be? And he asked his permission to exhume Chris Benoit's body so he could examine his brain. And that's when he discovered that his Chris Benoit's brain was like that of an 80-year-old Alzheimer's patient. You know, and from that, you know, from that research and the other research he did, obviously, he um, because he graduated from Harvard with a degree in neurology, I believe. And that's been like his passion. And he said one concussion, when he, he got the one concussion in wrestling, because remember, he was one of the uh, people from Tough Enough. He got one concussion and he said, okay, that's it, I'm done. Well, he, he got the uh, post-concussion syndrome. Right. And he got it bad. Yeah, and he's like, okay, I'm not coming. That's it. I'm done. And, and that is where so many former athletes, you bump your head playing football. How many, many concussions do you have a day? Oh, it, seeing his interview about that, and this was, you know, some years back, it made me wonder how many concussions I had as a kid. Um, I can tell you with certainty that I had five. And that's the ones you know of? Positive. Um, only two of them were acquired playing sports. The other three came from disciplinary actions. Oh. So, but you think if you're doing martial arts and you're sparring, we've had this discussion in the gym. If you wear headgear while sparring, I swear people hit you harder. Yes, because they, they don't think they're hurting you as bad. And I know training my own son who was having a attitudinal problem, he had his headgear. He and I weighed relatively close to the same. And he's swinging on me, and I hit him. And my wife to this day thinks I gave my son a concussion. And obviously not intentional. No, but he he learned to follow the instructions of the instructor that day because he was not doing he, he wasn't doing what he needed to to defend himself. But Chris Nowinski changed our our awareness of of that problem because what during during our age I I go I, I know when. I likely got my first one. Here, here's two Tylenol. Take them, go to bed. Yeah. Or um, the one I know I got at school was playing volleyball in PE. And I dove and I went head first into a volleyball pole. Ooh. And I bent the pole. Oh! And I created a knot on my head that I, I really wish we had cell phone cameras for that. 
because the knot on my head, it, it was it was bad. It took a whole bag of ice, like an entire grocery store bag of ice to cover my head because the knot was huge. They almost sent me in an ambulance. And the colors that that thing had. But Chris Nowinski, like, my son never, like, had to do that. You even got a whiff of a head injury. You came out of the game for the day. Um, we were so aware, like, I've had to take concussion protocol training seven, seven different times. I go, I get more training on concussions to be a coach than I do for work. And, you know, even when I did stuff like buddy care every single year when I was in uniform, I don't recall much about concussions. You know, not at well, that, all. That's an interesting topic. I'll actually have to talk to you about after this. But but you were talking about, you know, your son. I'm guessing he's learning MMA. He he is. I think um, he he was at an age at that time where he needed to be able to defend himself. And he's, again, with the autism, he related more to the adults. So I had him in adult classes from the day they would take him at 13. And, you know, you train with the big boys, sometimes something happens. But he, he could hold his own. Do you think he could hold his own against our number five? No. Who's our number five, Kyle? And I know you've just been waiting to say this name. See, I, I'm I'm shocked you had him high as well. I can't I I can't disagree with how um, how much he's accomplished in that sport. And, and this is the beast, Brock Lesnar. For his post WrestleMania 20 mixed martial arts career. Yes, after he gave himself a concussion. Well, no, that was number 19. Never mind. So, <laughs> this, where, he, uh, where he did a flip and landed on his head. Anyway. No, that. So, what did he mean? He did a back flip and he tried to do shootings for a press and put the No, one, Brock, yeah, don't ever do that again. WrestleMania 20 is when he lost to Goldberg with yeah. Austin as the special guest referee. And everybody booed him because they knew he and Goldberg were both leaving. So but anyway, Brock Lesnar, being the man beast that he is, goes into mixed martial arts, makes an immediate impact, uh, beating Hong Man Choi, who is a giant uh, overseas, comes to the UFC, gets a freak tap-out loss to Frank Mir, creating that rivalry, which helps the UFC do over a million buys on multiple occasions. Fourth professional fight, he wins the UFC Heavyweight Championship. 
unifies it, defeating Frank Mir. Next fight, he basically gets delayed because of diverticulitis. Then he has a, honestly, it's a fluke come, come from behind victory against Shane Carwin, where Carwin beat him senseless for an entire round. He probably loved the first round of that fight. Yeah, I'd watch that one. Um, second round, Carwin gasses out, and Brock puts him in a head and arm choke, or an arm triangle, basically. Uh, chokes him out, wins, wins, the, wins the fight, has a second bout with diverticulitis. Gets his butt handed to him by Cain Velasquez and has another bout with diverticulitis, but handed to him by Alistair Overeem and has a one-fight comeback from against Mark Hunt, who he dominated for three rounds, failed the drug test, retires from the sports. He, if the pay-per-view numbers are correct, he did over a million, million buys for the UFC on five different occasions and over 750,000 buys every time he fought. I can see it. He's a distraction. And his UFC 100, his post-fight interview, is still one of the greatest things to appear on UFC television. (laughs) And I don't know if you have seen it. I guess I'm going to have to go look that one up, aren't I? Brock Lesnar... um, Bud Light is a sponsor of UFC. So Frank Mir is his hated rival. He basically starts off full wrestling promo and says Frank Mir was lucky. I told him that night he had a horseshoe up his butt, and I pulled it right out of him. And, I mean, he beat Frank Mir senseless in UFC 100. Then he turns around, looks at Dana White, and he goes, now I'm going to go drink me a Coors Light because Bud Light doesn't pay me anything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's pretty funny. (laughs) Which is a tremendous line. And he goes, and you know, I may even get on top of my wife tonight and celebrate. And that's, of course, Sable. It, It is the greatest interview Post fight interview, UFC has probably ever had. Oh, Sable, I'm not including her on this list. Anyway, uh, but taking us to number four, this it, it, University of Michigan graduate and current Georgia resident, real estate license holder. Rick Steiner, also known as Robert Rex Steiner. Also on the school board for ooh, the town, or the school district where his kids go to school. He, I, was vote, he was voted on the school board. He 
he got his degree from Michigan in education. Mm-hmm. So use that to his full full advantage, as you should if you are getting a scholarship. Use the academic resources to your full advantage. When he, when WCW ended, his active career kind of stopped. He got more into real estate, was quite successful. He's got a very interesting real estate photo that is up on the Internet if you guys want to look at it and runs for the school board to actually use his degree, has been reelected several times. And one of the things, uh, I don't know if I read it, or maybe it was on like the Tony Schiavone podcast, there was actually some controversy when he ran because he did not use his legal name. He actually used the name Rick Steiner. And some of the uh, opposition, I guess they uh, were not happy about that. I don't know. Maybe it was maybe some kind of law or something that you know you had to use your legal name on the. Well, he had had his real name. I don't know. It, it, there was something about him using his wrestling name instead of his um, his legal name. That makes sense. Yeah. That that's what he's known as. And he uh, he did get disqualified from the race for using the Steiner name. And ran, basically two years later, ran unopposed. And has been on the school board for 15 years now. But there's another one. How many wrestlers can you imagine being in a school board meeting? They said Rick Steiner was a really bad dude. Yeah, I've heard the stories. Him and his brother, who's also on my list. I'm surprised he's not on your list. I did not find, because uh, he, he failed in as the Shoney's owner. I thought that the restaurant was still open. No, the restaurant shut down. Did it shut down because of COVID? Or did it shut yeah. down because... Well, if it shut down because of COVID, I can't... You know, that, that's so, something that's almost out of his control. Having uh, talked to him when he was doing indie wrestling, most of the post-wrestling activities I would attribute to Scott Steiner, he himself is not happy with. But then again, I don't think he's ever happy. Uh, well, most of them are bad business deals. Mm. So, I mean, he's had some brushes with death, but Rick Steiner, in this case, three sons. His son, uh, Bronson, was signed by the Ravens and cut earlier this year. He's got two additional boys that are supposed to be quite the athlete as well. Which one of his sons just recently signed with, I think it was NXT, wasn't it? That was Bronson. That was Bronson? Okay. 
and Bronson is uh, he's jacked. Yeah, I saw a picture of him, and I was like, oh wow, okay, yeah, he's definitely got the look. He he's got the look, and he's got the uh, knowledge of where to get the proper medications. <laughs> if you want to put it like that, because it's it's all legal. So, well, well I say, one of the things that they won't be teaching anymore in the camp, in the the training camps, is how to slap your leg during a um, a super kick. Anyway, and, and you, you go there. <laughs> <laughs> it recently got banned. How can we miss talking about it? Subject as well as the. Tope Suicida dives over the rope are two moves that should be banned and only brought out for special occasions. And you know what what move is worse than the Tope Suicida where they're all standing there? Is the stupid suicide dives through the ropes where they run. It looks like they're diving, but they just kind of push them like, ugh, and that's it. And I'm like, that's not, no, don't do that. It looks dumb. Anyway. That is a, um, that is a much needed edict because, and this goes back to quality control of today's product. In our generation, not that everything was better, each wrestler had one finishing move. No, it was better. So everyone wasn't doing the same thing in every match. So they only know one way. So if all they know is one way to wrestle, slapping the leg, because everyone does the leg, uh, the sidekick, super kick, what, you know. Yeah. Everyone does it. It's a setup move now. It's not a finisher. Whereas what Stan Lane used the super kick as a finisher. Um, if I remember right, Stan Lane, he would do the kicks. I don't recall him ever using it as a finisher. I know he would. Um, he would. He wouldn't kick him in the face. I mean, he was like kicking him in the in the. Uh, well, they always go. He kicked him in the solar plexus. And. Like that, but I—I I mean, now he may have used it as a finisher. I just don't ever remember seeing it. But the Rockers made it into more of a a finisher, and obviously Shawn Michaels took it. Chris Adams had it as a finisher, which is a, a maybe a better example. Yeah, because that's the first time I've ever seen it actually called the super kick. So. The the leg slap is they they do it for everything, so they they have to slow it down. And, and yeah. we hurt Ben, but if they had proper quality control, which is what they're missing, television wise, is actual quality control then every wrestler wouldn't be doing the same moves every night. I agree. And 
You know, it, it gets pretty bad when you see somebody, you know, hey, he's putting on a figure four, and you hear a leg slap. That, now, that's pretty bad. Now, transitioning back to our wrestler, Rick Steiner here, when you got hit by a Steiner line, there was baking that. He laid no. it in. Oh, because, I mean, he, the way he did that, I mean, he kind of jumped. I mean, he was, I mean, you could tell he was focused on them. And that, I mean, he didn't even really swing the arm that much either. But, I mean, he just didn't take much because, I mean, his it was just nothing but muscle. And he hit them with the muscle, and bam, and you're going to go down. And it looked stiff. It, I, You know, just sitting there in the living room watching it, it felt stiff. And the guy laying down there. You know, with with a broken nose and, and a concussion, they'll tell you it's stiff. And, and imagine, because I I wish I could do this at work. <laughs> imagine having a set of highlights that is nothing but you throwing people around, hitting them with clotheslines or top rope bulldogs, and then sitting in on a meeting. <laughs> so, like, yeah, <laughs> where I allegedly work, we have pre meetings. Then we have the meeting itself. Then we have the post meeting. Yeah. Then we have to about the meeting because you know all we do is sit on the phone sometimes. So. I would love to have a highlight video that when I felt the meeting had reached its peak, I could just play the video and, and leave. Or like the one um, boss that I had when I was still in uniform, or boss that I had while I was in uniform, he was one of those, have a meeting and then another meeting and then another meeting, and then and you're trying to get work done. And in fact, one time, you know, I said, hey, you know, so, so he wants a meeting. And I mean, I basically stood up and screamed, I don't have time for this. Mm, yeah, we're friendly, friendly. Obviously, but I don't have time for this stuff. And I think he heard me because he had a weird look in his face. And, and of course, then later on, he dared to have a meeting with all of us to say, why isn't work getting done? We had to say, because you keep calling all these stupid meetings. That's why. It's hard to get work done when you have us constantly in here with meetings telling us how great you are or how great you think you are. Anyway, I digress. And I, and I worked with the guy that he uh, would purposely start work after our shift ended because he didn't want to go home. So he would keep us 12 hours because we had to, all because he he didn't want to go home. Marital problems? Yeah. Yep, there it is. <laughs> so all, all sorts of fun stuff, but uh, Rick Steiner being on a school board, and now we have a tie place. Yep, and I'll go ahead and say the first one because uh, I was wanting to segue, and then you kind of jumped in there. But I'll do it anyway. Rick Steiner being elected to the school board is actually a form of politics. But the next, next person, um, I would say, is actually made, has gone further into politics than even what Kane has. And this would be, you know, Jesse the Body Ventura. 
Jesse the Mind. Jesse the Mind. And if you re- really read about all the things that he's done with his life, he really is one of the most interesting people ever. Because I didn't know this until literally five minutes ago when I read it on his Wikipedia. Do you know he used to be in the Mongols? Yes. I did not know that. And, and you never leave the Mongols, so that is uh, debated. Wikipedia, as children learn, is not a reputable source of information. It is not. However, you can use it to find actual sources if the article is written you know, so, well enough. The thing about Jesse Ventura, not to minimize his mayoral candidacy, not to minimize his governorship and his forays into presidential politics, um, Jesse Ventura is hard to believe. He is because he's been caught embellishing. So what exactly is – yes, he, he was the governor of Minnesota. Um, yes, he was the mayor of a town in Minnesota. Uh, Brooklyn Park, that's the name. So both of those are facts. He got yes, I was right. Ah, Brooklyn Park, yes, anyway. But his – is a Navy SEAL is debated. He's come out now and said he was not a SEAL. He was he did graduate the BUDS class, but he was part of the underwater underwater demolition team, which is still pretty pretty stout to be honest with you. It's pretty stout, but comparing yourself to saying I, I'm a predecessor to being a SEAL, um, to being Correcting it and saying, well, I'm in underwater demolition. Those are two different things. Yeah. Because my stepdad, you know, was special forces. And, you know, and that means that's legit. I mean, you've met him. He was special force. He's retired special forces. You know, a Green Beret. And he'll tell you, yeah, you don't just say, well, we're the same thing as. Oh, no, no, no. You know, because he he had to earn that Green Beret. Just like the Navy SEALs, they have to earn that trident. And if somebody wants to claim it, they were one and they weren't, well, that's a good way to find yourself, you know, with a broken leg or broken neck, whatever. Anyway. So the, the, the other things, because I've read his books, and I've watched several of his television shows, he has gone pretty deep off the deep end. He has. With conspiracies and the government's out to get him. At one point, he moved to Mexico. He... he, I, I had to mark him down for that. So I didn't have him... Because he is, 
I had to look past because, okay, unlike some of the other people we've mentioned where what they did was illegal, he has not done anything necessarily illegal. Ill-advised, yes, absolutely. Illegal, no. And I had to look at every time he gets involved with something um, out, you know, outside of wrestling, and I'm not talking his what he did um, before he was a wrestler, fucking everything he's done after he left, uh, he, after he left the sport. He ran for mayor, got elected. And while he was mayor, one of the things um, that happened was they, one year they had a surplus. They had a surplus of money. Well, the board there said, well, let's just keep it, give ourselves bonuses. And he said, no, we're going to give it back to the people. And and so that he gave they he made them give it back to their constituents. And they're like, hey, I mean, it, it may have been you know a hundred bucks a person, I don't know, but he ran for governor, got that, and then he he's been a you know a host of shows and got ratings. Like you said, I mean, he's written books. You've read his books, so he's done well. You know, in everything that he's done outside of wrestling. That's actually why I had to, I couldn't help but rank him so high. It, and I partially marked him down because he's. Turning to a loose bag. It, it all goes to how you define success. He does come off as a little bitter now. He's a starting little. to. A little upset, um, anti-government stuff like that, and, and you you see why. But on the flip side, it, it's it's too much, and you throw in his alleged encounter with Chris Kyle, the American sniper, mm-hmm. and. This, this is the thing. If Jesse Ventura was a seal, he would not have sued the widow of a fallen comrade. And went after her for the majority of her life insurance policy. Oh, he definitely lost a lot of um, credibility when he did that. But once again, I mean, I hate to say it too. Like I said, very ill-advised, almost tasteless, but it wasn't illegal what he did. No. But, I mean, and and I don't think, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, he's going to stay, well, hopefully, he'll be like retired, retired because, I mean, he's 70 years old. Yeah, he graduated high school the same year as my mom. And, and that the, he's lived with all the like he had to stop wrestling because of the heart ailment, yeah, because of the blood clots. And, and obviously, could have unionized wrestling, uh, according to urban legend, Th- things like that. Oh well. 
Um, that actually was true. He did try. Oh, no, he did try. Yeah. He did try. But um, And then he got stooged out. But And, and I, I guess I, I have him lower, which I did. Because our our, our list kind of goes opposite of each other now, but I, I had him as my third or fourth. You had him as your fourth. I had him as my fourth, and I had him lower because I rank my t- top two. At successful, being happy themselves, their situation, and their impact on society, you could say the world, someone's health, someone's faith, um, things of that nature, impact on people's lives. And we've had this discussion in previous podcasts, but you and I are friends, but the impact, if you don't know what's going on with me or vice versa, but I'm not impacting your life. I'm just like going along for the ride. Um, you'd be surprised how much you impact us, Kyle, but that's a, that's a discussion for another day. No, and again, my opinion for this is um, impacting lives. And one of the things coaching young kids is you have to learn how to relate your story. And in my case, this was faith-based, right? a faith-based testimony. So they can relate so they understand that you hear them, you've been through something similar and you're not judging them, but you have to be able to relate to a kid in order to teach them. And I think in this case, Mark Merrow has told his story in both there's two versions of this story. There's a testimony version that he does in church throughout the country. And I've seen that one. Um, there's He sells the DVDs on it. And then there's the school presentation. And there's two versions of that. One on choices that's called the champion of choices. And then the other one is on more anti-bullying and it all goes down to choices, but very, very impactful videos. If you can watch them and I follow, follow his webpage. I donate to his program. Um, he, he has impact 
impacted hundreds of thousands of young lives throughout the country. And his YouTube on his on his life story has millions of views. Do you happen to know the name of his church he actually attends in Georgia? Is that your reason I'm asking? Um, the church, no, because he just moved to Georgia. Uh, well, he was living in Georgia um, some years ago also. Yeah, and Georgia, Florida, back to Georgia, had a house built. Uh, so may, he may not go to the same church now that he used to. The reason why um, I'm asking is, is you know, well, one of my coworkers, um, he actually used to live in Georgia, and he actually went to the same church as Mark and Rena Marrow. Yes, Rena Marrow used to be a church builder. And he said, I mean, he said they weren't like, you know, like good friends or anything like that. But he said, you know, he, he would talk occasionally and they were always recorded with each other. And he said, you know, he was um, a real nice guy. And, you know, and of course he was at church there when he wasn't on the road somewhere. Uh, but when he was there at home, boom, they were in church. And when you sent me that text yesterday, I showed it to him because I knew because he mentioned before. And this guy, I mean, he's um, he's pretty devout. Um, and I don't want to say his name, just kind of um, you know, to protect his privacy. But he saw that, and all of a sudden his face kind of lit up. And he said, "Well, he said, if you talk to him again, tell him one of um, the people from." And he told me the church name, and I can't remember. He said, "You know, tell him he says hello." So. But yeah, I just thought that was, you know, that, that's kind of like a six degrees type thing. Um, but yeah, he's, go ahead. There's a few things. Um, he talks about ignoring his mother while he was a professional wrestler and he got into drugs and, he, you know, because um, you, you call your kids, they don't respond. And they blow you off, and then eventually there's going to be a day when, like, they don't want to talk to you for a little bit, and they're establishing independence, and da 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 da. Um, and his mother died while he was on tour after he'd been ignoring her. And that video, 13 million views. His message about bullying and the things kids face, and, and this is a wrestler, but he's developed this program. It's got 16 million views because some of the things to and, and we don't we realize it in a way, but we don't. Um, when a kid gets bullied, like let's say I did in middle school. Kid, kid makes fun of you in class. You go out to the playground. 
and, and you swing till someone pulls off. And most of the time, the kid left you alone after that. A vast majority of the time. Today, we've wussified the kids so much that you get more trouble for defending yourself than you do for picking on somebody. And the bullying follows them home. And you get attacked on social media. Um, you get attacked over text. Like, I, I, if we ever all go to Disney, I can tell you some stories. But it, it's completely different. And as a parent, you go, man, um, I had a Rottweiler that we bought the day we closed on our place here. And we named him Tyson. And we got Tyson at like six weeks. We got him two weeks early. Like it was a completely dirtbag move on the breeder's part. And Tyson lived five years. Tyson was my dog. And every time I'd go, Tyson would protect the house. And my wife and son, who were little at the time, who was little at the time. And that dog... That, that dog had a body count and scared little dogs that were walking the neighborhood. They'd run up to him unleashed. He'd bark at them. Issues with the dog. We had a neighbor who turned out to be a pedophile, came up, tried to come near my son. My dog bit him in the hand. Stuff like that. That dog was best purchase I ever made and Tyson died after a little after five years and my son had a kid in his class just a little dirt bag I'm sure he's in jail now um, this little worm sent him messages basically celebrating the passing of his pet And so, you know, and I believe every single bit of that too, because I've kind of noticed that even though, you know, like you said, you know, one, on one hand, it seems like the kids are getting wussified, but on the other, other end of that, the kids who were being mean, it's like their limits keep moving. Oh yeah. Like that, the avenues. And you learn as an adult, there's a reason why some kids pick on others. Um, we, we've we had this discussion in in a gym. Um, as a, as a youth or as an, as an airman came on, I was very easy to pick on. And as a response, as a conditioned response, I was very fast, quick-tempered to defend myself. And we could say both of those are true from previous stories on on this podcast. Um, 
what I showed the kids was Mark Merrill's videos. And, and I think of my, my own child. Um, if my son goes into an environment by himself, let's say a gym, um, and he, he's by himself and he's working on himself, trying to get himself into shape, he's still easy to pick on, even though he, he hasn't been in high school for three years. Because he's by himself, he's got the autism, there's certain things you see, there's certain things you don't. People can easily identify it and pick on it. And that's one thing about going into a gym. When I would see people who were, I mean, basically gym rats. I mean, um, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that in a disparaging way either. I mean, they're just in the gym a lot. And I would be in the gym quite a bit too. I mean, that was my routine. Um, the first base I was at in England, and I was getting up at like four, four thirty in the morning, you know, to be at the gym when it opened at five. And then I'd lift um, for about an hour, and then I'd do cardio for at least thirty minutes, sometimes longer, and then I'd go to work. And there was the same like five guys who were in there same time I was, including the base command chief. And with some of these other guys, and these are guys who I worked with, um, they were seeing my form when I was doing uh, dumbbells, and I could see they were laughing. You know, then they wouldn't ever tell me why. And finally, and one of the guys actually worked in my office. He said, "Oh yeah, your form's so wrong. You know, you're gonna you're gonna end up hurting yourself." And I'm like, "So instead of watching me hurt myself, why don't you come over there and actually help?" Make sure I'm not hurting myself, moron. Well, we we went through with the Mark Merrill videos. Um, not only the communication playing an active role in your own life, uh, but being willing, being courageous enough to step in when you see it. And I did, and this is not no brag at all. Um. I unfortunately have the displeasure of only having Planet Fitness available to me early in the morning on some work days. So that is where I go when I know I'm working late and I can't get into my normal location because I still have to hit my lifts. Right. And it physically bothers me if I don't do something. So I'm in there doing back movements, which are pull downs, rows, stuff like that. And there's a group of, I, I couldn't tell you what high school age, but definitely high school. And there's a group of three or four of them hanging out, talking to each other. And there's one who is not with the group, he's their age, and he's in a different part of the gym, and they keep looking over, and you can see something going on. And I was watching, I was watching, and then one of them came over, said something, and then I jumped in. And I could look, 
they're, the reason why they're picking on you is because you're not doing this right. There's Planet Fitness videos about this. You you need to do this to correct your form. And, right. And I I worked with him on three different rotations of his movement, and I go correct this, and he he'd figure it out, and now correct this, and he'd put the two together, and then he corrected it, and then they stopped making fun of him. And I walked over, and you know me, I'm not going to hesitate from saying something. And I may have encouraged correcting behavior amongst the four when I was walking into the locker room. And go, I made sure they knew I knew and that something had to be said that that's not right. But you're, you're in an environment wherever it is. Um, Mark Merrow's got three different videos uh, that you can put out. He does programs worldwide, well, throughout the country uh, for schools, anti-bullying, confidence, testimonies. Um, I don't know if you remember this group when you were also a child. To To me... His program is similar to what the power team was when I was a kid. I knew of the power team. Uh, that was about it. I never really saw them, but. Yeah, that was the big group when did that did those type of programs. Um just a real quick side note to the story I was talking about. One of the guys kind of had karma come and bite him not too long after that because he was working back one day, and he put a little bit too much weight on. He had barbell up, and he bent over, and I was on the bench, and I just happened to look up, and I saw him. And all of a sudden, he started bending over more and more, and it was pretty apparent that the problem was he couldn't pull himself back up, and the other guy ran over and got him, and I jumped up too. We managed to get the weight off of him. And then later, um, you know, the the second guy, the one uh, else didn't get away, he's like, hey, um, just to let you know I'm taking him to the hospital. He probably won't be in the office. You know, so him not letting me know my form was wrong, they were just in there laughing about it instead, well, he had his own way of doing something wrong, and he ended up putting himself in the hospital, and he ended up losing his PTL status because you have to pass your PT test with at least an 80 to be a PTL. At least it was like this back in 2008. And all of a sudden, his score dropped by quite a bit. But anyway, we need to move on to our number one. Well, perfect segue because how, how could your story – correct his back problem. PDP yoga. And our number one Diamond Dallas page. Ah, man. The there's a lot of wrestlers that have embarked on post wrestling careers and some in fitness um, others in prison ministries, realist things. 
Diamond Dallas Page has changed a yoga landscape. Do you participate in the DDPY? Not as often as I should, but I do own the DVDs. You know what? I, I That is one of the things I could use with the stimulus is DDPY because I need to get myself back in shape. So dynamic resistance, his isometric movement, dynamic resistance, very, I I don't want to say it's innovative because someone was doing it already. What he has done is combined four different programs into one functional system and has helped millions of people drop weight and become healthy. I'm pretty sure you've seen the video of the retired army, I want to say, serving first class, or you know what I'm talking about? The person you're talking about is named Arthur Borman. He is a Maryland resident, and I have actually taken yoga classes with him. Really? Yeah. For some reason, for some reason, I thought he was in Georgia, but yeah, he um, he retired out of the army, and uh, I don't know what exactly happened to lead him to have to use like the metal um, the metal crutches, you know, the ones that they hook around your arm. Uh, Arthur Borman was a um, was a jumper. Yep, I, I remember that. And after 20 years of jumping, had developed some back issues. And then he was doing special education teaching. And, you know, um, er, every year started putting on weight. I do know, unfortunately. And unfortunately, as some of us know, there is only so much body weight that your bone structure can handle. And and then you break down. And Arthur um, had gained quite a bit of weight. He he is a a very short man, not, not very tall at all. And the... Honestly, he needed it because his back was so bad, his weight was so bad, he could not stand. And I met him, you remember Glenn Burney, right? At a yoga studio, um, he would teach on Saturdays, and I was trying to learn the program. And, I mean, my back was all messed up. It was bad. And... I turned out to have a form of arthritis in there, but I was trying to do yoga to loosen it up and I couldn't find a teacher where I live. So I asked him and I drove the hour down and took the classes to, to learn. I still don't have dynamic resistance, but the man, Arthur, he's a vegan now. And his children are grown. He would joke with me because his kids call him the vegan menace. <laughs> there is no non-vegan food in his house. 
And he gives every single bit of credit that to Diamond Page. And, and he, when you buy the program, DDP sends you a personal message. Um, he sends you a, an autograph. Um, if you're willing to post photos, and I have an issue with that professionally, if you're willing to post photos, there's a support group. Like, they give him a hard time because there's nothing that DDP won't shill in the form of self-promotion to help himself. But he's helped Jake Roberts, Scott Hall, Stevie Richards, Mick Foley, Chris Jericho, half the locker room, Kane, Shawn Michaels, Dustin Rhodes, And they all, they all they all swear by it. And no no lie, um, it's a tremendous warm up for my other activities. I was playing football over the weekend. It was something I I go you know I should have warmed up doing doing the yoga before I played the game because my groins are all sore, my hamstrings hurt. And I'm going, that was dumb. Like, I should have done something better. But dynamic resistance, something I'm able to do at work. There's a lot of concepts of the program that um, you can do anywhere to get your heart rate up. And it's something my wife and son have done as well. So, in wellness, I read a Someone sent a statistic done during COVID. Um, 78% of Americans are overweight or obese. Yeah, that's me. 78%. Um, And I know exactly what happened, um, and it's my fault. I I took a break when I retired, and then the break's still going on. So... Um, do you know what the number two, one and two vegetables are consumed by American people? Carrots and broccoli. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Obviously not. Potatoes. Potatoes in the form of French fries. Okay. Tomatoes in the form of ketchup and pizza sauce. Wow. That is a fascinating statistic. It it is. And the potatoes are, you know, that's just starch. I mean, that's just nothing but carbs right there. So DDP is a, um, he's a pro gluten-free lifestyle, uh, healthy eating habits. It's a full system, but the amount of people he's been able to impact, the man's been through three divorces. Well, two divorces for sure. Yeah. And is as happy as he's ever been and, and just moving along because he's able to impact other people's lives. So, Well, Kyle, we have about two minutes left. And with Diamond Idol's page being the number one, that's a perfect segue into what we are going to be discussing next week. How did he get his start in wrestling, at least in, in front of the camera, not behind it? 
he was the manager of the Diamond Exchange. Exactly. He was a manager. And unfortunately, when managers kind of started going by the wayside, he became a, he trained to be a wrestler at the tender age of like 36 or 37. But next week, we are going to be discussing managers. It's not a top 10. It's just going to be managers, kind of a lost art form. And hopefully I'll, be, I'll have a little bit more time to actually focus on this week. I mean, we like I said, we still got the, the budget and the forecast going on, but uh, hopefully it won't be as intense over the next uh, week like it was in the, the previous week. But uh, is it the cows is discussing manager something you're kind of looking forward to? Um, it, it's definitely a lost art form something they're trying to bring back. I'm not sure they have the right people right now. So I agree. It'll, it'll, it'll be an interesting discussion. Uh, and I know when I first started watching it, there was managers all over the place, and now you have like three, and that's it. And that's like three in the entire industry, and two of them are in the NWF. So... But until next week, my friend, we would definitely be staying in touch. And I hope that your wife's birth anniversary went well yesterday. We weren't supposed to say that. (laughs) (laughs) But all right, my friend, I will talk to you throughout the week and next week. God bless. All right, man. Talk to you later. All right. Bye.